Hello, Hello everyone, and welcome to Reformed Podmatics. I'm Pastor Mark. And I'm Pastor Zach. And we thank you for joining us for this episode, episode 132 of Reformed Podmatics. It's amazing how far we've come since episode one. Uh, Thank you for joining us this week. We apologize for not having an episode last week. Uh, Maybe you can tell by listening. I'm a little bit under the weather still. I was pretty sick last Thursday and Friday when we planned to record this episode. And so we thank you for your patience. Uh, as we know, you've been waiting for the waiting next episode to drop. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so today we are going to be discussing a Christian in the culture wars. How does a Christian mm. approach culture? <clears throat> I know that uh, this term culture wars is maybe even a divisive term itself. Um, yeah. the, the reason that we want to talk about this is is really an overall, let's get a theology of how a Christian thinks of approaching culture. Uh, do we approach culture as primarily a warrior? Um, what is the ethos, what is the attitude of a Christian when we think of uh, hotly debated matters in uh, the political sphere, in uh, culture at large? Um, does a Christian participate in the culture wars? Uh, is that always necessarily a bad thing? Um, and uh, I don't know how, how do how do we first think of it, Zach? Any any other terms that we could throw around to help people get a definition? Oh, I, I just think of it as being an overly critical mm. approach towards culture, and so um, often, as we've said, I think culture wars is, is terminology that's tossed out. Uh, typically by those on the left against those on the right, as though those on the right are the ones who are fighting the culture war. Um, And I think what this whole culture war mentality assumes is that um, those on the right are up against something uh, and that they are are fighting against uh, things that they don't like in the culture. And and of course, there's some truth to this. I think Mm -hmm. people on the right do... Uh, critique culture a lot, and it can become sort of a, uh, I don't know, just a mentality that, that Christians that are living in, that especially evangelicals live in all the time, a place of being overly critical towards the culture. Um, and those who fight and engage in the culture wars, and I think it is a real phenomenon, I think some Christians mm-hmm. do get what I would say would be too caught up in the culture wars. Uh, I think it what it means is that uh, these Christians who are fighting the culture, culture wars uh, tend to see that the majority of culture is against them, that it is antagonistic to their own viewpoints. And um, a lot of times I think progressives will say that conservatives are fighting the culture wars, and they'll use this as a, a sort of condemnation of uh, conservatives, uh conservative people's overly negative viewpoint of the culture. Yeah, they'll kind of uh, roll their eyes at a conservative person. The, yeah, yeah I, and I think that progressives know in many ways they don't have to fight a culture war <laughs> because many of their b- viewpoints are shared by the culture. And so uh, hmm. I, I think culture war, culture warriorism is often f- more something that is happening by those who feel that their viewpoints are sort of in the minority. Hmm. And so they're pushing a back against this sort of behemoth culture that is against them. But in many ways, I think what's interesting is that progressives are often, uh, without noticing it maybe, uh, 
they think that their views, that their their sort of cultural outlook is the negative or the uh, minority view. And so they will actually, I think, fight culture wars in their own way, but mm. they won't call them culture wars, uh, but they will see their views as being um, the minority view. They will see that what's who's in power? Well, it's all conservatism in power and it's traditionalists in power. Uh, in our society, and so we have to keep fighting against the patriarchy, keep fighting against racism or sexism or transphobia or homophobia, and they're just, it's, a, it's a vision of total eradication. And so what they do is uh, is a, their own version of culture wars because they see themselves as being in the minority, even still. And conservatives often will see themselves in the minority. <laughs> and what's interesting is that uh, in some ways... Yeah, conservatives are in the minority, and in some ways progressives are in the minority, but we see ourselves as being eternally stuck almost in the minority, and then that feeds into us constantly fighting back against the culture, the culture as we see it. Uh, And so there's a lot of things Mm -hmm. I've just thrown out there, but uh, I think culture warriorism is something that is essentially done by those who feel like they're in the minority, and it lends to them being overly critical of what they see as being part of the quote-unquote culture or the status quo yeah, yeah. um and <clears throat> so maybe some examples of this uh on on the political right or yeah, you know, i would suppose maybe a little bit of the theological right although there can be a hmm. breakdown in categories there would be how churches responded to covid19 lockdowns yeah um, that would be a really big one and so there is a pastor a in um, in winnipeg who said nope we're staying open there was john MacArthur's church and Um, Some churches uh, were so offended by Mm -hmm. those those men um, saying we're going to keep our churches open that that they sort of undertake this cultural crusade of um, how much they wear, how great it is that they wear a mask, how loving it is to wear a mask. And and so they participate in the culture war in that way. Um, and then there's many other congregations who really lionize those men and 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 hold them up as um, just great examples of virtue, um, standing against oppression and tyranny and the government and so forth. And so um, I think that there were there were probably people in the Christian Reformed Church on both sides of of that debate. I know that there were. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, and and so we're we're kind of trying to sort our way through. Those kinds of, of things. I mean, uh, another example of the culture war would be uh, the, the White House being lit up in rainbow colors after the Obergefell decision was handed down and um, while, while Barack Obama was the president. So that's sort of like we won the culture war moment, yeah. like it, at least in terms of that, that debate and that decision regarding mm-hmm. same-sex marriage. Um, that was sort of the the victory yeah. uh, proclamation of winning that arena of the culture war, and so um, that, part of the reason that I give those examples is to show that it's very present on I would say both sides of the political and theological yeah. aisle, and as we move forward through the conversation, um, we we want to avoid I would say extremes. And, and so we'll put our cards right out there on the table and say kind of where we want to get to in this conversation. And I would say one extreme we want to avoid as Christians is Anabaptistic withdraw, withdrawal from culture. 
So some people will say, oh, the culture wars, uh, that's just, uh, that's just political stuff. And, and we, as Christians, we don't talk, we don't want to talk politics, keep Mm -hmm. politics out of the pulpit sort of a thing. Um, that's, that's for a a different kind of person. We're spiritually minded. Um, so that's an Anabaptistic separation between, um, the church and spiritual life and the secular world. Uh, the Christian needs to engage in culture. We need to have an opinion about abortion. We need to have an opinion, a public opinion on homosexuality um, and on church lockdowns and all of these other things. It's good for a church to to have a spine and to stand for things. Um, And so the Anabaptist um, impulse to withdraw, Mm -hmm. uh, I think, is one that we need to avoid. On the other side, uh, there can be an obsession with cultural issues, so much so that the church becomes a tool of the of a political party, whether that's Democrats or Republicans. Yeah. And so to be absolutely wrapped up in culture war issues like Black Lives Matter, COVID-19 lockdowns, how we're going to respond to those things for or against, that can almost become the message of the church instead of the gospel itself, instead mm-hmm. of focusing on matters of uh, eternal significance, we can be distracted by matters of, of cultural um, hmm. significance. Yeah, we can get too caught up in yeah. thinking that <clears throat> the the gospel is merely a social thing, and so it's the changing of the world. Um, Speaking so, truth to power. And is so we, we can think, there. yeah, that basically coming to church is a way of being discipled into being a more faithful Democrat or a more faithful Republican, uh, essentially, and, and joining the voting bloc. And I think this also assumes that... Um, <clears throat> We, that we must change politics in order to change culture. Uh, or I think mm. genu- genuinely a Christian vision is different. We, we think that we must change people's hearts and therefore affect culture before we really have any real serious significant impact on politics anyways. Um, and so... Oh, that's an, a profound insight, actually, Zach, because yeah. I think a lot of people, and maybe including a lot of pastors really truly believe in their heart of hearts that the way to really change a country is through political means. Mm-hmm. And so they get they spend a lot of time thinking about political matters, yeah. engaging in political discourse, consuming political material through news. Again, Republican and Democrat, mm-hmm. liberal and 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 and, uh, and uh, conservative uh, does this. And I we I've even seen um, there, there's a, a situation in, in Michigan mm-hmm. where, um, where a, a pastor left the pastorate and, and was very open that um, the reason that he did this is, is because it's, it's really where change was going to happen, was in the, the political sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, I've, I've seen, I, I, I suppose I at least applaud his honesty. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, but I think that a lot of people function with that assumption mm-hmm. that we do our little thing in church and that's nice for our spiritual care yeah. but really the power base mm-hmm. is in Washington DC and is in Sacramento and whatever state capital somebody is working yeah. in. I think that's a profound insight. 
Yeah, so we want to change people's hearts. I think that 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 means that we we should we should focus on culture, I guess, quote unquote, mm. before we worry about politics. This is maybe an example I think fits. Uh, it would be Roe v. Wade being overturned. Um, am I excited about that? Yeah, I celebrated that. Um, I was excited for the po- policy being officially changed, but there's a long ways to go. I think in some ways this whole co- controversy has gotten even more heated since that happened. And you have states like our own, like California, that have become states where people can flee to in order to get a, an abortion. And so it, the whole problem hasn't gone away. We've mm-hmm. changed a political position, yes, mm-hmm. and that's that's good in many ways. It, ha- it's, it probably has prevented some abortions, uh, but our culture, people's hearts still uh, need changing, I think. And so the, the work is still there for us to do. Um, and so that that's just one example, I think, of many we could think of, I'm sure, uh, where you yeah. can't change people's hearts through politics being changed. Uh, I, I don't think many people who are pro-choice have had their opinion changed because of the, the political position of our country being changed by the Supreme Court. Uh, and so yeah, that's well, just one thing to consider, yeah. One of the great political speeches I've ever heard was from Ben Sass. He is... A senator from Nebraska, and he was actually speaking at a Gospel Coalition conference, and it's the only time I believe I've ever heard a, a politician say, you know, your hope shouldn't be with me. It should be with Jesus. It should be with the Lord. Your ultimate hope must be in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And he said, I have my place, and I have my my expertise and my skill that the Lord wants me to use for the good of his kingdom and and for uh, for the good of people in the United States of America and in the state of Nebraska, and so he has a, a responsibility, but uh, he wanted to make clear uh, that the ultimate <laughs> message of a bit you know the the differentiation between salvation and damnation between heaven and hell happens in the spiritual realm and and, and re- regarding the truth concerning Jesus and whether or not you believe it. And so um, I, I appreciated that. Uh, that, that. That's a way of actually um, diminishing this this kind of culture warrior idolatry yeah. that says really all that matters is almost kind of the political realm and what's happening in that world. Um, and I think that people can get very much caught up in that, losing sight of what really matters you know, am I born again? Am I really loving my neighbor? Uh, am I just uh, valuing small things and, and showing hospitality, hospitality to neighbors and so forth? Yeah. Um, I, I think Ben Sass was, uh, he had his finger, you know, on, on the pulse of, of something really important in that speech that he gave. And it, it, we don't hear that enough, I would say, from politicians because they, they could feed this culture war uh angst you know and and kind of prey yeah. upon that and uh, oh, yeah. leverage that so that Absolutely. people would say i'm going to be your your champion you yep. know in the culture war and so vote for me and this so, has become yeah. i think more and more of a phenomenon we've seen over the past seven or so years yeah. since 2016 uh, at least in the united states i don't know about other contexts like canada or the uk but uh, I think we've seen this a lot more, uh, where politicians are are sort of playing on those culture warrior menta- mentalities that people have and using those to their own political advantage, 
uh, for the sake of political expediency. Mm-hmm. And that's been, I don't think, overall positive in the American political or even cultural landscape. Uh, but maybe we should begin to ask the question then, after considering all of this, what does the Bible say about the culture wars? How how are Christians called to engage in culture? If we've we've navigated, I think, between the double ditches of re- withdrawal from the culture at, at, in any way, uh, and for, from real participation in what happens in our culture, and, and the other error of becoming overly involved and seeing it as the real way to uh, sort of set up God's kingdom on earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does the Bible say about how we are to engage? Uh, I would I would say, just before maybe you answer, Mark, mm-hmm. I think as Reformed people, uh, we're sort of set up to have this way of avoiding the double ditch and hopefully finding uh, a way that is more fruitful and is, of course, more biblical. Uh, and so... I think maybe part of our Kuyperian heritage sets us up for this and <laughs> in, in wanting to see that there are ways in which our culture um, can be benefited by godly change. And there are ways in which our culture maybe has some things that are worth keeping and yeah. are worth fighting for uh, and upholding. I think a lot of times culture warriorism just sees the culture as a monolith, mm-hmm. whatever that monolith may be. And, and so we fight against this monolithic evil culture that's just so bad. And so conservatives, when they think of culture, they think of things like uh, transgenderism and TikTok and, and Hollywood and yeah. Hollywood and having messages that they don't like being forced down their throats. Mm-hmm. And then, as I've sort of said already, the progressives, when they think of culture, they think of it as patriarchy and homophobia and, and all of these. And and, all, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so. I think we have to start by realizing that culture, any given human (laughs) culture is not a monolith. It's actually very, very diverse. Um, I often will try to think about this when I go to a grocery store or to a store like, like Target or Walmart, I'll just kind of keep my eyes open and think, yeah, these are, this is our culture. The people I see walking (laughs) around the store, it's not just the people I see on TV, the powerful people. Uh, It's, just the everyday person you bump into at Costco, you know, that's, that, that is our culture and our culture is far different than I think any of us think. Um, and so we need to recognize that culture is not a monolithic one size fits all sort of thing, but it, it is very diverse. And so to say that we just need to bash culture all the time, well, I don't think that's necessarily true. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that culture needs to be critiqued. And so how does that help us to set up how we are to engage in culture, Mark? Well, one of the takeaways I hope people have from this episode is a spirit of thankfulness because I think that the, the culture warrior person is really not an appealing evangelist. <laughs> um, like that, that's somebody who is, has lost their gratitude for the good things God has given yeah. and done through his common grace to the United States or to California or to Ripon where we live and so forth. Um, Again, on both sides of the culture war, there, there can just be this, this antagonistic, resentful, Hmm. um, angst ridden, angry kind of spirit. And that's often, Um, that's, that's something that's used to critique conservatives. The conservatives are fear-based. Right. uh, But, I, it is I, on every page of I Jesus think, and John Wayne. Yeah, it's right. That's, that's exactly right. So, like, um, yes, conservatives can be that way: resentful, fear, sort of fear-based, mm-hmm. uh, uh, kind of 
suspicious of big tech, you know, and everything's yeah, a conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like I said, it's just as much in the book Jesus and John Wayne by Chris yep. Nicobes Dumay, which is maybe for those who haven't read it, it's a it's a screed against conservative conservatism and evangelicalism over the past mm-hmm. uh, 60, 70 years. And yeah. a lot of it has truth and, and bad things that have happened mm-hmm. in evangelical Absolutely. subculture. But um, it is is very fear based. Yeah, we can't I mean, let this continue to exist. Right, it's it's ruining the faith. Is the subtitle of uh, yeah. corrupted the faith. Um, yeah. And so, um, what I would hope people could pull away is look for God's common grace. Look for signs of common grace in our culture. Yeah, and be thankful for amazing medical care and roads that are repaired on time and you know all of all of these amazing things that happen in american culture that our our culture values Mm -hmm. uh and and that can be a very good thing and so yeah i would just always hope like you know what jesus said the lord sends the rain on the just and the unjust alike and so um that's kind of the core common grace passage um i i would always hope that people would go into even like Imagine a scenario. You go to a party, maybe it's a work party, you know that there's going to be a lot of people who you disagree with on culture war topics at that party. Hmm. Um, So instead of going to the party as a culture warrior, or instead of going to work as a culture warrior, Hmm. just to think, I'm going to look for God's goodness being shown upon these people and uh, try to care for them. And what matters most to me is the gospel. Mm-hmm. And what matters most to me is Christ and that these people would know Christ. Not yeah. that I would just see them as an avatar of a social issue yeah, or or just a caricature of this type of person, mm-hmm. which again, I think is what Jesus and John Wayne creates in people's minds that every person like you and me, Zach, who's a complementarian, must love Donald Trump and must yeah. love all, just like, oh, I know exactly who you are and, yeah. and the kind of person that you are because you fit these two or three, Boxes. you know, uh, yeah, um, different descriptions. And, and so to get rid of that, I think that falls right into this culture war mentality that is not going to be helpful for our witness to, to other people. Yeah, so we have to see things as complex as they are, um, I think people who fight the culture wars too much begin to break the world down into overly simplistic visions of, of reality. Um, and so, yeah, like if you are a complementarian, conservative, white male Christian, yeah. you must be a total Trump idolater. Oh, you must basically. watch Fox News every day. Yeah. yeah. And so I know exactly who you are. Well, actually, the world is more complex than that. And it's the same. <laughs> Conservatives need to realize this, too, about progressive people. That yeah. Their their understandings and their their vis- views of things as a person are far more complex than just being a totally, you know, uh, out on the front lines of Black Lives Matter, raising the flag and hating everything that conservatives do. They're, they're, that's not most progressives. Um, they are far more nuanced, and so we have to see things uh, like that and be thankful for uh, where we where we can find common ground, and mm-hmm. we have to be just be able to have a more uh, I, th- I think uh, 
a better indexed view of of, hum, of humans um, and have a more full picture of who people are. Yeah. And so this is why as I think about the culture war, and maybe this is because I just preached through Ephesians, I, I think of Ephesians chapter 6 where Paul famously writes, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so we're being warned here to not see this battle uh, of God's kingdom versus the kingdom of this world uh, as a battle that's fought against flesh and blood. It's not against people. I think you made a good point. People are not just avatars of a political or cultural vision. Um, we have to see them as as people, not just mm-hmm. as these representatives of this thing we hate. Uh, it's Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against bigger things. And this makes me want to make the point that we're not really necessarily fighting a culture war per se, but as Christians, we are fighting a kingdom war. There's the kingdom of God and of Christ, and there's the kingdom of this world. And so we fight for our king, yes, but our fight is not against people. It's against spiritual powers uh, that are in in many ways in operation in our world. Um, Ephesians is actually a book full of uh, references to this throughout the whole book from every chapter of Ephesians. There's mentions of the spiritual world, and it comes to sort of full fruition and uh, Ephesians 6 with the armor of God passage, which this little verse is a part of. Um, but that's our fight. So we, we are very much supposed to be warriors. Yeah. Ephesians would, would say that. And it's interesting that we've brought up Jesus and John Wayne because she really attacks Christian militarism, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is valid in so many ways. Uh, but I think we should still realize that the Christian fight is very much a war. It's not a culture war, though, between just the right, the Republicans, and the left, the Democrats. Uh, we are fighting for King Jesus. And so what kind of war does, does mm-hmm. Jesus fight? Mm-hmm. Uh, if we begin to think on those kinds of lines, I think we can, we can be helped a lot. Uh, does Jesus hate his enemies? Well, no, he does not. He tells us not to hate our enemies, but to love our enemies and mm-hmm. to pray for those who persecute us. And so uh, the Christian fights the, the spiritual war through loving people, through care for people, through uh, proclaiming the good news to them, through being hospitable towards them, through washing people's feet. I think all of those images of Christ in the Gospels um, should loom large as we begin to think about the culture war. How do we fight the culture war? Well, it's by following Jesus, by laying ourselves down, by sacrificing uh, our own desires and wants for the good of others, uh, and through seeking uh, to tell people about Jesus through our words and through our lives so that they may know him Mm -hmm. and that they may experience the joy of knowing him. And so there's a lot more that could be said, but (laughs) I think that's beginning to get us going in the right direction, I think. Yeah, and and I, I like that you brought up the Ephesians passage because it recognizes that the Bible uses militaristic language for mm-hmm. spiritual warfare. Um, obviously, the warning from a book like uh, Jesus and John Wayne is when that spiritual language is is given, <laughs> it's sort of used to baptize yes. literal wars like um, mm-hmm. the war in Iraq and so forth. Um, yeah. It's sort of kind of hastily applied in, in, in yeah. different situations. Um, but what, what happens with that warning is, well, what really matters is 
the fruit of the spirit in the Sermon on the Mount, and it's like we don't have to talk about that militaristic stuff. Yeah. And so it, it kind of, um, because it's been misused, militaristic language in the history of the church, right. thinking especially of Pope Urban II and what his speech yeah. in 1095, yeah. you know, go and conquer the infidel, right? Yeah. Um, that, that obviously is a misuse. Um, however, yeah. it's still there, and we are in a war against right. evil in the world. And so a Christian should not have to apologize for having a strong opinion about abortion. And then, it, so, uh, yeah. again, imagine a scenario. Someone says, abortion is wrong. It ought not to be legal in any state in the United States. Yeah. And that's where I'm going to stand because that's the truth of God's word. It's the truth that science has revealed also that a life begins at conception. Mm-hmm. And so... That's where we're going to stand. And if somebody would say, oh, you're just a culture warrior. <laughs> well, no, that's where I stand on that issue. And it doesn't mean that um, that I'm, I'm going to be a jerk about it, that yeah. I don't recognize that it's um, it's a sensitive issue to, to talk about. Um, but that is where we have to stand as, as, a, as Christians. And mm-hmm. so um, I, I guess... What, what I would hope also comes from this episode is an unapologetic um, approach to speaking the truth, standing on what God's word says, not in a, in a jerky, self-satisfied, self-righteous way, yeah. um, but, but not to be so afraid of being called a culture warrior that we would nuance everything to death. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I like that, that we, we talk about Look, in the Old Testament, you have you have a a, a spiritual war happening at Mount Carmel between yeah. Elijah and the prophets of Baal, and um, he, he's he's not really all that nice to them either. Um, in fact, he uses a lot of sarcasm in that episode, and then uh, the Apostle Paul uses a lot of sarcasm in Second Corinthians about um, you know kind of pointing out the the ridiculousness of idolatry and, yeah. and of, of going against God and the gospel. And so um, I, I don't think that always gives us permission to be sarcastic or, uh, or to throw little jabs, but it certainly does give the Christian an example of standing firm and, and, and poking at the culture where there is just an obvious error and an affront to God. Yeah. Yeah, I think we, we have to have that bounded by an ethic of how we treat those who are perpetrators of evil. Yeah. This is where I think the Christian vision for the world is really, really fascinating and intriguing, and it strikes me as being really, really divine in origin or in, in origination, yeah. um, its origins. Uh, so, the Christian will hate abortion, but will also have a have a have a way of approaching those who have committed ador- abortion and those who are even for abortion. Even still, uh, we have an ethic that girds how we approach uh, those who are in an oppositional stance to us. Um, we can hate the position, but we should also love those who have committed the evil of abortion. And this is where I think hmm. uh, progressivism, especially in its very secular forms, it's not so much this way in its Christian forms, but in its very secular forms, has really been reduced to cancel culture, where if you are a perpetrator of some sort of societal sin and or a real sin, 
say rape, there's really no place for you in society for that, for you, for you after that. There's no, there's no forgiveness. There's no reconciliation. You are done. You are to be mm. basically locked up, if not killed, uh, put to death. Um, mm. And so I think the, the Christian framework of culture wars is that we actually uh, want to love people and reconcile people to the cross, even those who radically disagree with us. Uh, those who persecute Christians, we don't want to be totally done with. Uh, when we watch videos of Christians across the world being slaughtered for their faith, uh, the Christian doesn't just look upon those who do so, who do that slaughtering with pure hatred. Uh, I, we are called to look upon them with love and to pray for them and to seek the best for them, even in, in the face of the crimes that they have perpetrated mm-hmm. against Christians for their faith. And so the, the Christian ultimately wants reconciliation. And so, yes, uh, Elijah may may mock the prophets of Baal, but his point in mocking them is to mock the ridiculousness of what they're standing for by worshiping Baal, the emptiness of their ways. But he wants them to see the the goodness and the power of God, the truth of God, yeah. uh, through uh, that interaction. Um, and so that is the Christian as well. The Christian wants to see reconciliation with those who are... Uh, without maybe even realizing it, standing opposed to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is coming on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, it's been started, and it is coming now in full fruition, and we look forward to its consummation. And there are people who are uh, standing in the way of that, but it's not not so much that they are the opponents, but that they are uh, walking in lockstep with the prince of the power of the air, uh, who is sort of the, the ruler of this world, as he's called in the New Testament. Hmm. And what what needs to happen then is for them to be awakened, to be regenerated by the power of the gospel, to receive the grace of Christ, and to have their allegiances changed, uh, be, to be transferred from the domain of darkness, as Colossians 1 calls it, to the kingdom of light. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it is a mer- very much a war that is happening. Uh, but we have, a, we have a plan, I think, for those who stand opposed to the kingdom of God, and that's for reconciliation and for the, us to love them. I think one good example of this uh, would be the story of Rosaria Butterfield and her conversion to, to Christ. Uh, she writes an op-ed against uh, the local coming of the tour of uh, what the was promise it called? Keepers, promise Keepers, right? yeah. 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 So she writes an op-ed in her local paper in Syracuse, New York, and a reformed Presbyterian pastor from the RPCNA, a very conservative, mm-hmm. uh, little reformed Presbyterian denomination, writes her up and invites her over for dinner, and she takes him up on it, and she begins to make a friendship with this guy that she was very opposed to, and she, he would have been very opposed to her worldview, uh, but they... This, this family shows her love and hospitality, mm-hmm. and it wasn't just instant, but over the course of a couple of years, she began to see uh, Christ for who he was, and that is how the Christian, I think, fights the culture war. If you want to fight, have somebody over for dinner. Um, <laughs> maybe that's a good place to start. Well, another great example, historic example, would be someone like William Wilberforce, and so hmm. um, I, I hope somebody wouldn't come away from this episode and say that there's no place for political advocacy um, for what are kingdom principles. And so William Wilberforce, uh, maybe for those who aren't as as up on your British history, (laughs) was the spearhead of 
that that the Lord used for removing slavery from England without a civil war, like what we went through in the United States. And so he was uh, living in the 1700s and uh, was a member of parliament, and that that was his issue. If he was going to be called a one-issue guy, it was going to be getting rid of the evil slave trade and ultimately... um, uh, abolishing slavery altogether in the United Kingdom. And so just before he died, that actually um, yeah. um, went through with his, his friend William Pitt being prime minister. And so um, that that's an example where, you know, if somebody would have called William Wilberforce, oh, you're just a culture warrior, man. Like, uh, <laughs> well, he might have said, I, I don't know if I really like that term, but uh, that's... This is this matters and to God. This yeah. matters to image bearers of God that we yeah. do the right thing on behalf of um, people from Africa who live in the in the United Kingdom. And so, yeah. um, Mother Teresa would be another example of a of a culture warrior. I would suppose mm-hmm. being one who serves Christ by caring for orphans in India. Mm-hmm. And um, Mother Teresa is really interesting to me because um, she's not just this this dainty meek woman who. Um, <laughs> You know, yeah, it's kind of just like, oh, she's just a servant. She just serve anybody, and and yeah, yeah. and she is a great servant of Christ, and and uh, and was a a hero of the faith. Mm-hmm. But um, she uh, was invited to the White House actually while Bill Clinton was president, mm-hmm. and um, uh, I forget where I was reading this, but uh, she she was invited, you know, thinking, wow, Mother Teresa, we got to have her out. She had a big reputation in the mm-hmm. '90s already, mm-hmm. and. Um, and so she's invited to speak, you know, at the White House, and she just goes into a scathing indictment of American culture, including the Clintons and their support of abortion. Hmm. And so, like, just lets them have it yeah. on on the fact that that babies are being murdered in the United States, and that that is a an illegal activity in this yeah. developed, advanced, wealthy, economically powerful country. And so, like, again. Hmm. Um, Somebody would say, "Oh, well, you just must have gotten wrapped up in culture war issues, Mother Teresa." It's like, no, she she loves the <laughs> truth and she loves people, and and yeah. and so she's going to speak out um, from a place of of real uh, authority. Yeah, <laughs> Certainly, Mother sure. Teresa would have more authority in that issue than probably almost anybody in the last <laughs> hundred years. She really cares for yeah. orphans, people who are discarded, and so she used that that. Um, reputation she had gained right. to influence culture in um, what what is very clearly the way of Christ. So yeah. uh, in, in both cases, you really see people who, what matters most is the Lord and the word of God and following hmm. God's way. Um, not, so, not a political issue per se, yeah. but a vision for the kingdom of God. And uh, maybe as maybe one of the last things I'll say in the podcast is uh, one way to evaluate ourselves in these culture wars is to say, do I want the culture to look more like me and my and doing things my way? Hmm. And so I'm getting all worked up in the ways be, because I see that it's not the way that I want it to be, yeah. that way that I want it to be. Or do I really just want our culture to be... Uh, more like Christ, more like a Christian culture, more like, mm. um, uh, more, do I want to see more people coming to Jesus? And, and so, again, imagining going to work or going to a, a work party 
is that your question? That I'm going to go win some arguments with these liberals <laughs> or, or with these conservatives yeah, today. Yeah, I have my slam dunk Ben Shapiro right. answers ready. I'm going to own the libs or I'm going to knock down those backwards troglodyte conservatives. Or, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Um, or do I want to go to the work party and represent Christ? Yeah. And if something comes up, I, I want to speak truth and love. Um, I think that hopefully will help the Christian talk about COVID or Black Lives Matter or Trump or um, any of these very fraught issues, I would hope with a little bit more wisdom and and and, and speak the truth, but mm. do so in love. Yeah, I think I'll summarize my concluding remarks just by saying, if you want to fight the culture wars, go and read the Gospels a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and see how Jesus relates to the world mm-hmm. uh, in all of its glory and uh, it's power, and uh, I think it's surprising how he interacts with people uh, again and again and again. Um, you see him being full of compassion, but in certain moments full of righteous indignation. And I think that following Jesus will require us to know him well and to realize that we can't use him just to baptize our own political ideologies one way or the other, but... We, we must realize that in many ways, even his uh, his approach may differ from our own. And so we have to be not so much wanting to change the world first, but we should be wanting to change ourselves. Uh, mm-hmm. Take the, the log out of our own eye before we point out the speck in other people's eyes. I think that's a really good place to begin. Yeah. So this is a big one. Uh, there's a lot of uh, tangents we could go down and, and political things before we recorded. We yeah, talked we, about <laughs> separation of church and state and what that looks like. I'm sure we'll have an episode on to- that topic uh, coming up maybe in the, the next little while. But um, yeah. but that's maybe a good place to leave off is encouragement to read the Word of God, uh, the whole of it, um, yeah, where, there is, the where there is <laughs> spiritual warfare and uh, where the stakes are high and we've got to get serious. Yeah, we, we should absolutely. vote. We should be politically engaged without idolizing those things. Um, hmm. And so, uh, so I guess the encouragement is get involved, talk about important things, but always do so uh, in the way that will hopefully point people yeah. to the truth, to the Lord, um, away from ourselves, because Zach and I are, are humble sinners. <laughs> um, the solution is not in us or in this podcast or in um, any party, political party, or movement in this country, but mm. the solutions in Christ, of course, and and believing His Word. So, um, w- I don't think there's any better place we could stop than right there. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So. so, thank you guys for listening, and we will look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, grace and peace. All right, bye.